well, well, the Return to Gilead Sunday Special is back. Welcome to a special episode of the Sunday Special. I am your conflicted host, Michael LaFaver. And I am your resolute host, Ryan Matlock. What do you mean, res- I guess I'm not really conflicted. I was just not Resolved expecting the result. Resolved is probably actually a better word, but Resol- yeah. You're resolute. Well, how about I'll be resolute and you be resolved? You want to go with that? Okay. All right. This is the long-awaited review of the version differences of Haunted Waters. Looking at the release schedule, it looks like Michael in the past won't have released this for another two weeks, and this will actually be at Christmas. So, uh, Merry Christmas, Ryan. Merry Christmas, Michael. And it's July right now, but you know, I I also <laughs> Christmas uh, in July. This it's a good it's a good month for it. This review is also going to have nothing to do with Christmas, but in any case, there's um something that's interesting that's happened. Uh, I've gone back and I read through all of Haunted Waters. I've got the book right here. I also with listened to Oasis, the first four parts, which make up the first book, and uh. I have thoughts. Ryan, why don't you go first on your general thoughts? I'm actually most interested in yours because everyone's probably already heard my thoughts. I'm right, because I like Oasis basically better. shared them throughout. Okay. Yeah, that hasn't changed. I listened back through Oasis and it sounded exactly as I remembered it. I was expecting to like hear things and be like, oh, I didn't pick that up before. But no, it was all exactly. It was like a scent from my childhood that smelled exactly the same as an adult. Interesting. I don't even know if that makes any sense, but that that's how it felt. And it was very refreshing to hear again. I enjoyed it immensely. I read through the book and I enjoyed that even more than I probably did when I was a kid because there's a ton of little throwaway lines that some of them are and some of them aren't in the Oasis drama. And they're just really... I love how it's written because there's just these throwaway lines that you can kind of read and it gives you insight further into what the tw- dif- what the two twins are like and what their outlook on life is as well as as well as just further i think endearing your endearing them to us as the audience like giving us a reason to care about them mm, well i think i've mentioned this before either on return to gilead or on the sunday special i've been reading through stargirl and love stargirl by jerry spinelli and Love Stargirl is, at this point, one of my favorite books. I'd put it in maybe top 10 books that I've, re- that I've read because of the way that the author explores character and emotions and brings that out through the writing. Sure. And there's always been something that's been a little bit off about Jerry Jenkins' writing, and I couldn't figure it out exactly. And then going back through and reading this, Haunted Waters, Jerry Jenkins and Chris Fabry, I figured out that I very much despise this writing style. And that's because there is, I can't pick up a single thing. Maybe there's 5% of the book is actually explaining either through inference or through directly, directly telling me what's going on, what the character's emotions are. But, and the rest of it is just, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. This person said this, this happened, this happened. I was a little scared. This happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. There aren't the broad strokes of this is a creative way to express this that not only says this is the action that's going on, but this is also the way that's being represented to the character. I think one of the biggest indications is we get in the book a little bit more information. Spoiler alert for the book, starting off here. One of the major spoilers (laughs) that's in the book that's not in the audio drama is that what Ashley struggles with is seizures. 
and yes. seizures that they don't entirely understand what's going on, but they do. She that's why she needs to take medicine for it to mitigate that. Yep. The, and what happens is Bryce says during the chase sequence, he writes in in his his little little chapter when so Sam starts talking and it goes, "Can you hang on, Ashley?" Sam said. Then Bryce speaking. When she didn't answer, I turned again to look at her. Her lips trembled, and she was paler than ever. You okay, Ash? I don't think so, she whispered, her gaze darting around. This was worse than being chased, and way worse than Boo Heckler. Sam, I said. She needs that medicine. So, we're seeing this from Bryce's perspective, and we see nothing about what's going on in Ashley's perspective. Then the next chapter, or the next couple pages, is from Ashley's perspective. And look at this. The green car forced Sam off the road into a patch of snowy grass where he lost control. We went up an embankment. Sam slammed on the brakes, but it was too late. At the top of the small hill, we went airborne, and it felt like the whole world had slipped from beneath us. Does that sound like somebody who's about to have a seizure to you? Um, the, 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 actually, that was just described by Bryce. You'd think that she'd be a lot more out of it than right then. I don't know, because in the end, she doesn't get her medicine, and she's fine. So right. I think that the con- I think the concern was more that she realized she hadn't taken her medicine and she was cons- she was both on adrenaline from the car chase but also fearful that she was going to delve into the seizure. Okay. But I don't think she actually ended up in the seizure because if that was the case how would she swim? No, that's a good point. That's a good point. Let me jump to what my point was going to be and I'll see if you can help me along with this. I don't see sure. a clear distinction between our three points of view. If you gave me a paragraph that was written or read by Bryce, I wouldn't be able to tell the difference between that and something from Ashley or something from, what's his name? The the guy, Kevin? Uh, uh, yeah, Gavin, Gavin. Gavin Winkler. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to tell the difference between those three. I, I, there's not a lot of tells in the way it's written that shows that it's from these different perspectives. Yeah. Did, was that a problem? I'd agree, I'd, agree, I'd agree with that. It wasn't a far, it wasn't a problem for me because first off what you described is the style of the writing where a lot of it is plot focused. Personally, I don't have a huge problem with that if the plot is good. So like if the plot is interesting and the characters are going and doing interesting things, but also they have their own conflicts that they're struggling with, they're like that's an example of like if we look at Down Gilead Lane for example. Mhm. Even when it's very character driven, like with Beth Culp's writing, there is still a plot. Like everything that people are saying is based on the stuff that's happening around them, right? Yes. So if we took a line from like Haley or Mike about what's going about simply what's going on around them, not specifically how they feel about it we wouldn't necessarily know who's saying it if we didn't know the plot and the characters ahead of time i don't know that i agree with that i think they speak in different styles and that you can sometimes pick that sometimes but if they were all reporting like obviously like if timmy is talking like let's say uh the thing that they're saying is we had a really hard test at school today Haley would say it a little bit faster and timmy would say it a little bit more I don't know, immaturely, not in a bad way, just like he's young. And Brooke might be a bit slower, like, ah, we, we had a long test at school today. But if it was just written, it would probably all look very similar, especially given the fact, like in this case, we're talking about most of the chapters being two teens who are the same age. They're likely to report on plot points in the same way, but there's several points where 
they have personal stuff that they go through that they would talk differently. So, for example, uh, one thing I loved throughout the book was that in contrast to the, the Gilead version, I feel that it took a lot more time to focus on and draw out the fact that everything around them is reminding them of their personal conflicts. Bryce is concerned with Boo Heckler and... Ashley is concerned with the fact that she watched that movie with Haley and they keep coming back to it. It's like they see it in the movies that they watch in the even just like the person checking them out of the store reminds them of these things that they're dealing with that are unresolved and won't be resolved until the end of the weekend. Mm. Right now. And and to be fair, that's uh, what I found out about Oasis is that it is basically a direct audiobook adaptation. Oh, yeah. With, 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 uh, with uh, a little bit of added stuff, but most of the lines of dialogue are verbatim. And I think all of the narration is verbatim with a couple jumps More or less, here and yeah. there. So, like, the book opens with uh, a prologue and then a chapter one, Ashley. I didn't want to move to Colorado. I didn't want my dad to die or my mom to ever get married again either. And I sure didn't want her to get religious all of a sudden. And then she goes on for a little while. I think that's it. Uh, but and that's yeah. exactly how this thing, this whole thing opens after the first scene. Mm-hmm. So, yes, with that, when we're saying that the original did it better than Gilead or Keys for Kids, we're talking about both Oasis and the uh, the book, the original book. Yeah, there are some places where like in, in Oasis, they do still draw out that. Ashley keeps coming back to the thing with Haley and Bryce keeps coming back to Boo Heckler. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you got this from when you read the book, but it seemed a lot more in your face, like back and it keeps coming up even in very brief scenarios. Sometimes I think it was cut from the Oasis version just because like they were very brief suggestions or it might be that I just didn't notice it in the Oasis as often. So there's, I, I think one part is that Chapter 12 is from Bryce's perspective. And there are, there are like 70 chapters in this. How many chapters are there? This <laughs> Every chapter is like two pages. Two pages. So. That, that, was, that was annoying and that, I'd be pedantic if I called that out. So I'll go with yeah, the no, chapter. No, please call that out. I, I, I think that's a very fair assessment. Like, I, don't in even, the, I don't even think so. I don't I care. Th- I feel, <laughs> well, like, here's one thing is that in the Oasis version, sometimes they give lines to Ashley that belonged to Bryce in the book and vice versa. I think to make it so that they're not switching back and forth every three seconds. And I think that was probably a good call because in some cases, either of them could say it because it's both of their experience and they're twins. So they think alike or whatever, (laughs) but but it does. I do remember like as a kid, I would get so frustrated because sometimes I liked one twin more than the other, Mm -hmm. or I cared more about one of their plights. And in in later (laughs) books, they don't spend time together the entire time. They're like off doing their own things back and forth. Mm-hmm. Like one will go somewhere to investigate one thing and the other will go do another thing. And I'm like, no, stop every three pages. I want to know what happens <laughs> in the long term. I'm just going to skip Ashley's part. I don't care. <laughs> I'll also say I'd be more than happy to really like this and to like the next installment in Oasis, given the way this discussion goes. But I do want to bring out these things that did bother me and that I think oh, sure. can be discussed here. So that that's my philosophy going into this. So here's the problem with, with the what I find in, in Jerry Jenkins' writing. It's something that's kind of bothered me the whole way through. I can imagine the way that I want the character to say it, 
And it can come across differently based on the context. And clearly the context was supposed to be the first. And when that emotion is put into it, and when you can hear the actors in Oasis and Keys for Kids deliver those lines, it comes across pretty well. But when I'm reading a book, I also want to understand more deeply what's going on in the characters' heads. There's the surface level of this is what they're saying, this is what the plot is. Then there's the middle of, okay, here's the emotion attached to that. But then good writing will go even further and have the character be drawing implications and connections to things that might not even necessarily make sense. And maybe we get that in in Red Rock. Maybe we don't. Maybe my standard isn't isn't good enough. But that's what I'm thinking. That's what um, Jerry Spinelli in Stargirl did really, really well. That's why I brought that up at the beginning. I didn't feel a single time going through that that I didn't understand what her emotions were or what the the tone was and there wasn't a single time when i couldn't hear the characters saying those lines and it, it really made me feel something this book was so fast paced and the ending is so quick and there's no moments like of active and reactive scenes there's maybe one or two reactive scenes i'm thinking of the one when they start putting the clues together and maybe there's one or two more in there but I think good writing should have a lot more reactive scenes like the Keys for Kids version does. Something I like better about Keys for Kids is when Sam tells Bryce that he shouldn't tell anyone at school about what happened, Oasis just stops, and the original just stops there and doesn't have Bryce's response to that. But Keys for Kids goes on for a while, and originally I was a little bit opposed to that because I thought, oh, well, you're you're really self-aware here. Why are you phrasing it like that? And that's because it wasn't in the original, because it was something that was new for the audio drama. But that really helped me understand this is what Bryce values, and it's coming across in the way that he's saying it here and in the words that he's choosing to frame this. He says, wouldn't you want to do it? What, what would you do if you were in my shoes? That's not really something that would be in here. The way that the, the book and Oasis do it are this thing happens, this thing happens. It only mentions that Boo Heckler was uh, slapped Bryce once. Whereas in Keys for Kids, they go on for a lot longer. Why? Because it's supposed to portray what was going on in the characters' heads. And the ending scene is a lot longer and a lot smoother in Keys for Kids because it's not focused on jumping from plot point to plot point, but it's focused on the characters and how they feel about the scenario. And it is based on Red Rock, definitely. And that's why I think there was still a little bit of an issue with me not being as emotionally invested in the characters in the beginning, like not seeing the redeeming qualities. That was something I brought up in the first review. And I still think that's an issue across all three, but I think it's best in keys for kids, surprisingly. And maybe that's just me. Would you have a counterexample somewhere in here? So here's uh, a take. <laughs> uh, I agree with you, and I have not read Stargirl. I probably should. Yeah, right? that's fine. It might be unfair uh, to keep bringing it up. No, eventually, I... eventually it would be good for me to do that. You will. You, you've raved about it, and I'm <laughs> sure I will. Uh, but I think this might be a case where these books, yes, they were not written in such a way that you can intuit deep character values and beliefs and emotions and everything from just them sharing their side of things because really this is this is a lot more like um oh well I can't think of an example other than <laughs> Christmas story which I hate but um the movie this is a yeah yes. yeah you know how you know how it's narrated <laughs> yeah yeah definitely it's supposed um, to be I a, don't like that yeah. yeah 
I'm yeah, not no. a, I'm not a huge fan of Christmas Story, but we've talked about that. I think we we yeah we should um, talk about that more because I also have a weird opinion on that. But I also brought out that opinion last year when everything was going up in flames as far as my criticism perspective. So I don't even know if I agree <laughs> with myself. So we'll, we'll you'll say that. Continue. But anyway, I don't I don't like Christmas Story personally because the narration that goes on in the background is done from like a 30 something year old version of the kid that's the protagonist of Christmas Story. Mm-hmm. But he talks as if he's the kid, like he talks in the same perspective and there's not really even a hint of irony in his voice. It just sounds like he's trying to narrate from the kid's perspective as if he was a kid, but he's clearly 30 and sounds much older. And it, it's just, it feels wrong to me. <laughs> yeah. We but can get into that later, I, but yes. Yeah. But I do appreciate the format where you have a narrated version of someone who is clearly past the events and they're able to say, Hey, this happened, this happened, this happened. And here's how I felt about that. Because in a, especially like in a book show, don't tell, is something that I really appreciate as a rule. Mainly, though, for movies, because a Ooh, movie you can gonna, show. That's you are, gonna hurt. You're prepared to hurt, Ryan. Oh, I Continue. will. <laughs> movies, in fact, any visual media and even audio media has more to work with as far as sounds, visuals, things that they can show that a character is feeling a certain way. So, like, whereas with a book, you might you might have someone saying i can't i couldn't imagine why they would treat me this way it deeply hurt me i, I that's a poor line i wouldn't write it that way but you can have someone describe that they didn't uh, describe something like they would to their journal right and that makes sense because if they're writing it as if it's a journal entry or it's some sort of letter where they recount a story, they would tell it. They wouldn't show it. With a movie, you might show the character crying. With an audio drama, you might show through the acting that they are clearly having a, an immense emotional reaction to something. You can't necessarily always do that with a book. Now, I'll clarify that. I don't think that you should never use show versus tell in a book. I just think that in books, telling is less egregious. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? It does make sense because with a book, you can describe – this is an example from Craig Hart. He posted something like this recently. The two men walked side by side, their, their boots crunching in the snow below. There was a light breeze in the air, and their coats flapped against their and the coats flapped against their skin as they uh, they, they uh, shivered to keep warm. And like one said to the other gruffly, "How much longer do we have?" Well, we're just going over that ridge. And as they crossed the ridge, the sun peaked above the horizon to show them their de- their destination, or, or something like that. So, I, I, there's there's a plenty that you can do visually that doesn't mean that you have to have them creatively describe what's going on because when you tell something you're painting the picture with the words you don't have any sound effects you don't have any visuals exactly all you're doing is dialogue and it's dialogue from the omniscient narrator that is either the reader or the narrator of the story depending on who's telling that story it's different though because i I think the rules for writing uh, a book are fundamentally different and one thing i didn't appreciate about oasis i'll keep this brief so you can get back to your point is that it is basically a hybrid book audio drama and therefore the narrator is 
not what I would expect from an audio drama. I'd say that's fair to mm-hmm. uh, to a certain degree. That's it. That's one place where it very well may just be just nostalgia because I grew up on Oasis. But I appreciate that format because when someone's when I'm reading a book, I hear the voice uh, sort of in my head. Yes. Some people don't. I've come to learn that they don't necessarily hear a voice in their head sort of echoing the words that they're reading across the page. But Oasis, what it does is it does the exact same thing. Those words are in an audio format that I can hear, but it's someone who's able to lend further information such as intonation and certain bits of emotion uh, tied to those words that they're narrating. And so that's where Oasis, it does the same thing for me that the book does, except more, because now we've got music, we've got sound effects, sort of, it feels like that episode of Adventures in Odyssey, is it just called David and Goliath? What was it called? The the one where Wit has the audio enhancer. The Shepherd and the Giant. The Shepherd and the Giant, that's what it was called. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Speaking of which, but uh, yeah, plug it, for David from Sight and Sound. Good, uh, good show. Yes. But that that episode of Adventures in Odyssey where he's got the audio enhancer, it's like it feels like that plus a book, and that's or plus an audio book, and it's a unique experience that I don't think I've had with with uh, like many more places than just Oasis. I've just mm-hmm. not listened to anything else that's been quite like that, and I appreciated it because it's that unique of an experience. Well, I'll give a counter to that. Going back okay. to, do you want to? Actually, this would be a good place to bring this up. Do you want to start with the side-by-side okay. comparisons? Please. Ooh, okay. Well, Where should we start? There's well, figured, seven. Well, I want to start. <laughs> I would like to start with the burping scene because uh, that is the example I would like to use here. Okay. Let's start with, I'll read from chapter 22, which is the burping scene, and we'll, we'll see how these things compare. This is from Ashley's perspective. Okay. When I got back downstairs, Sam was making popcorn and Bryce had found some board games. The three of us decided on sorry. Skipping ahead a little bit. As we played and drank sodas, Bryce and I had a burping contest and Sam gave us points for the loudest and longest. Mom wouldn't have appreciated that as much as we did. And to be honest, it was kind of gross, but it felt good to laugh. It was something our real dad would have done with us. Finally, Sam said he had to go to bed. But there's one thing I have to say before I go. What? Bryce said. Sam stood spread his arms dramatically, and then opened his mouth and won the contest. It was the deepest, longest burp in the history of burpdom. It sounded like a minute-long growl of a wounded lion. Bryce and I looked at each other, dazzled, then laughed till I thought I'd never breathe again. Now, let's see how the audio dramas do it. Mom wouldn't have appreciated our contest, and to be honest, it was kind of gross. But it felt good to laugh. It was something our real dad would have done with us. <laughs> Well, I hate to break up the party, but I'm going to bed. Come on, one more game, Sam. Nope, I'm beat. But I do have one thing I have to say before I go. What? What? Sam spread his arms dramatically, opened his mouth... And won the contest. It was the deepest, longest burp in the history of burpdom. That was at least a nine. Uh, Nope, Uh, seven and a half, and I'm sticking to it. I protest the judge from Colorado. (laughs) Burping contest being played under protest. No instant reburps. Judge's decision is final. You know, I don't think Mom would enjoy our contest as much as... We do. (laughs) Now that was an eight. It is kind of gross, but I haven't laughed this hard since... 
Since what? I, I don't know. Since our dad did the same kind of thing with us. He loved playing board games. Remember when he taught us dominoes? Yeah. All you wanted to do was set them up and knock them down. <laughs> I wish I could have met him. He sounds like a great guy. He was. Well, I hate to break up the party, but I'm going to bed. So soon? Come on, we'll start a new game, Sam, and we won't gang up on you this time. <laughs> uh, nope, you two beat me fair and square. You go ahead and finish. I, I just have one All right, thing how about we pause left to it here? before I go to bed. How about we just pause it What's here? That? This is really no. important. <laughs> what is it? Okay, there are two things that I like here better about Keys for Kids, and then I'll let you go with okay. your thoughts on this. What I love about Keys for Kids over Oasis and the book is that even though the acting is a little bit off, and even though the burps are kind of cringy, let's be honest, Sam's burp at the end in Keys for Kids is much more indicative of what a 10 out of 10 burp would sound like in an act, like in actuality, unless you disagree with that, Ryan. <laughs> I would so say you're that. rating this based on the burp being the best. That, that is small. That is a small thing. There are two other things. <laughs> Here's my actual point. There is a, a a back and forth in the keys for kids that's not present in the original when Ashley says that she protests the burp rating or whatever, and yeah, and then Bryce says a contest being played under protest, and then Sam goes, "Nope, no reburp or no reburps." That was the decision is final yes. or something like that, and that is a little interchange that plays off of the audio drama medium and is something that the actors can play off of each other with that doesn't exist in the book or Oasis. And then once Ashley, we can hear it in her voice when she says, I haven't laughed this hard since our, our dad used to, to do this. And Sam asks, well, no, no, what? Go ahead. And even though I don't think the acting is as strong as it can be, I think the potential there for the no. writing is to be really, really good. If she if she's actually laughing, like, I haven't laughed this hard since I... Yeah. Since what? Well, since our dad used to play this with us. And uh, to have a little bit of a stronger acting there. And then from there, they go into, yeah, remember when he used to do this? And they're reminiscing about their dad. And it's a happy moment. It's a bittersweet moment. A moment that is completely rushed by, except for a single line from Ashley in the other two versions. And then Sam adds on in Keys for Kids, sounds like a great guy. I wish I could have met him. That is stuff that speaks to the emotion of the scene and adds to the personality of the characters without necessarily furthering the plot. And I really appreciate that as being indicative of how the Keys for Kids version works as opposed to the original, because I don't think we get that very often in the original. Do you know what I'm talking okay. about? Does that make any sense? I do. I do understand where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. Counterpoint. So first off, one thing to recognize is that I, I can... I can grant where the keys for kids was going for having more emotion, more character driven dialogue conversations with each other, where they're able to explore how they're feeling about different things with each other. I think that's great. I think that's something that I would love to see more of even just in real life between people and families, because I think that's very healthy. The place where I push back here is that the book and the Oasis version do have that emotion. It's not shared between the characters. It's just in Ashley's head. Because in both versions, I'm fairly certain there's this uh, line that's in the midst. It's like she's saying, we got the board games. It and was then something we had a our real contest. dad would have done with us, right? Right. It's right. one line. That's a, that's a path. It is. <laughs> but it's not one line that doesn't carry weight. It's a line that does carry weight. Someone whose dad has died doesn't think 
It's something our dad would have done with us without that carrying immense emotion with it. When I read the through the book, there were a couple places. I'm trying to remember. There was one place in particular that nearly made me cry. Oh, well, let's find that. That'd be important. It was Ashley's journal entry of her dad and following his death. She's going through her journal entry, and she finds the one where he told them that they were going to be brother and sister. Oh, yeah, yeah, And then a later entry where she tells about the plane crash and then everything following. Right, right. So so she's talking about the funeral in that one part. I would agree that is good. Right, right. And that's a place where, like, I I nearly cried. I didn't because I needed to get through the rest of the book, and I didn't. Uh, I wasn't that fragile at the mm-hmm. moment. So, mm-hmm. well, I would, anyway. I would agree. Like, can I keep reading the, the little section there? Sure. So this is where she's talking about the funeral and people are saying that, uh, they've tell she says they looked at us, cried and told us what a good man our dad had been. Something about it made me angry. I don't need these people to tell me what my dad was like. I knew him. He was the one who read to me, tucked me in at night and took us to movies. I didn't even want to be there, but mom said it was important for closure. Whatever that means. Wasn't it enough closure that they closed the lid and buried the coffin? Then we go from that to, then came the entries about the first pictures on TV of the plane wreckage floating on the waves. Mom had kept us from watching the video at first. Then she let us. Some families actually got in boats and went out to sea to toss wreaths. I asked her why we couldn't do that, but she didn't answer. Instead, she took some dirt from Dad's grave, used it to plant flowers, and gave the pots to friends. She also put some throughout the house. A few days later, all the flowers had died. And then she goes on, and... There's nothing else that matches that journal entry from what I remember and from what I'm skimming through and reading. Her line of... Oh, no, what, not in the Oasis version. This is mainly my book No, I, I mean, I'm also looking at the book. And I don't, I don't see... What do you when, so when she's narrating in first person, her journal entry, the way she writes in the journal, is quite different than how she writes in the book, in the rest of it. Looking through the, the out-of-journal entries, I don't see lines like... Wasn't it enough closure that they closed the lid and buried the coffin? Or, I didn't even want to be there. And, or, I don't need these people to tell me what my dad was like. Things like that. Things that would identify this is who she is as a character. And this changes her perception of these events because of who she is and because of the experiences she's been through. She's describing the funeral and it's good for the plot, but it also adds to her character. Whereas the line about mom did this and she took some dirt from dad's grave and used it to plant flowers. And there's a, there's a line a little bit later where it almost gets there. It says a month later, some news crews came to interview mom. We listened from upstairs as she cried, tried to describe her feelings and tell what it was like to move on with life. That's the weird thing. At first, it feels like everybody in the world cares about you. And then they all just go back about their business like nothing's happened. And if it were her journal entry, I would think there'd be a couple other lines saying it doesn't seem fair to care that much. And then to stop caring, we still care. We never stop caring. It's our responsibility to, to keep thinking about it. And things like that. And go a little bit farther, delve more into her emotions. Where does her thought pattern takes her, take her? But instead of that, it, there's just that little acknowledgement that, huh, isn't that weird? And then the plot keeps moving on. She closes the journal and then has a couple of closing thoughts about the plot. That's, that's a very... She cries. Where does she... Next chapter. The next chapter. Yeah. I mean, Bryce has to tell us that she's crying. Right? Yes. Yeah, I so? I didn't pick up on that from her her writing. And I and I want to. I really want to see the emotion in this. And and if you can help me point like point out where it is if I'm missing it in the writing, then and yeah, I would love to. It just seems really stilted the the way that it is. And again, that's that's just coming from 
partly where I was when I read this and partly what I'm looking for in a book. And I can read that in right. the subtext. Like if you're reading it from the perspective that it has to be Stargirl, you will be disappointed, I think, <laughs> because okay, okay. this is a ty- this is an entirely different style of writing where I think that with some stories, the burden is on the audience to put the emo- to sort of put the emotion towards where it should be based on less input. And I don't know that that's a bad or a good thing. I think that there can be books where it tells you exactly how a person is feeling at a certain point. Mm -hmm. But I think that you can also have a book where the emotion can be vicariously put forth as energy by the reader. Um, So as an example... I, I told you that I nearly cried at this. And yes. that's because when I'm reading this journal entry, I'm not looking for something that says, hey, here's how, here is the depths of emotion that I felt at this. All I have to do is read through this and imagine, hmm, if I were in this uh, position and I'm dealing with um, my dad died and now all these reporters are coming and then they're leaving and... Uh, they, they pretended like they cared and then they suddenly didn't. And all the flowers that are being planted in my dad's grave dirt are dying. And I feel like hope is being, I feel like the hope that they would grow is just gone. And it's like further hitting back the point, he's dead because we're dead. And we're going to remind you of that. Like all of that is stuff that the book doesn't have to tell me. But I can imagine mm-hmm. and I can I can gain that stuff like that thing with the flowers. I gathered that from the book because when I when I read the flowers died and then it just moves on to the next thing that prompts me to think, why was that important? Oh, because that would make me feel this way. And I don't need Ashley to say for like three more sentences, by the way, that thing about the flowers made me feel this way. <laughs> Because well, I, can I don't even know that, that I'm I don't even know that I'm looking for her to say that. I think I'm more looking for her to draw conclusions based on the way that the audience agrees that it makes her feel like uh, talking about her worldview in relation to that. It doesn't have to be step one. This event happened. Hmm. Step two. This is how it made me feel. Step three. This is how I extrapolate those feelings into so, the way I, why I view the world. You can cut out the step. How two is in the, the uh, so how is the sentence where she says that. Um, it feels like people care and then they don't, not her extrapolating a feeling. Well, because she she does even extrapolate the feeling there. It, it, it is there. I don't think she, I don't think that even needs to be there when she says they all looked at us, cried and told us what a good man our dad had been. That's that's the plot here. Part two, how it makes her feel is something about it made me angry. And so there's the emotion. Then step three is mm-hmm. her worldview. I don't need these people to tell me what my dad was like. I knew him. And so and so on. Wasn't enough closure that they closed okay. the lid and buried the coffin. So those are conclusions that she's making from her emotions. I think you could cut out the second part. Something about it made me angry and just have they all looked at us, cried and told us what a good man or dad had been. I don't need these people to tell me what my dad was like. And I think from there you get the same. Like, what if that section had ended without her saying that with just saying they all looked at us, cried and told us what a good man or dad had been. My mom said it was important for closure. What, what if you cut out all of that other stuff, that extra stuff? I don't see that extra stuff being in the rest of the writing of this is the guy who tucked us in at night, took us to movies, wasn't in enough closure, things like that. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm reading this whole thing wrong and that mm. stuff actually is present. And maybe even if it's not present, it's not a problem. 
that's where I'm trying to figure out the framework I, for this. I can think I can think of a few other lines yeah. where Ashley goes from here's what was going on and here's how I feel about it. So here's one passage. Um is page. Well Bryce watched this is uh this is uh chapter nine, page thirty-five. By the way, I hate that these books don't have page numbers on, on the, the chapters. chapters. That makes that makes the fact that the chapter's every other page all the more annoying. Right. But anyway, uh, so that that is one thing in favor of not the books. <laughs> That's format. But, That's pedantic. Uh, so it says, while Bryce watched a hockey game with Sam, Mom drove me and my me to my friend Haley's house. I've known Haley since starting at the Red Rock Middle School. She and her family have visited our church, Mountain View Chapel, but they haven't come for a while. I'm pretty sure Haley's not a Christian. I expected Mom to lecture me about Lee about Lee and Randy. But she didn't say a word, which was even more upsetting. I'd rather be yelled at when I deserve it than get the silent treatment. Plus, if you're yelled at, you can say you're sorry, cry, and get some sympathy. So that's one place where she's talking about, here's what's happening, and then here's my take on it, emotionally. And so we get worldview from Ashley about that kind of situation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're right. Okay, that's good. That's good. Because we, we do get those three steps. We we understand what her emotion is, emotion is. She's upset at the whole thing. We understand what the plot is. And then we get a little bit of insight from her. Plus, if you're yelled at, you can say you're sorry, cry, and get some sympathy. That's that's good. Right. And then there's even, like, really quick lines that also... Like, I think one thing, if I, if I were to... Uh, push back actually on an earlier pe- point you made where <laughs> oh, a lot of this a lot of this prose you could not tell whether it was Ashley or Bryce. Ashley is a lot more snarky than Bryce is oh. <laughs> one thing that I would pu- pull out. Uh, one line being from chapter one even like w- this is like the third sentence or second and third sentence. Okay, so I guess you'll just have sentence. to get used to it, is what she says? Yeah, yeah. She says, I didn't want my dad to die or my mom to ever get married again either, and I sure didn't want her to get religious all of a sudden. But all those things happened to my brother and me, so I guess you'll just have to get used to it like we did. So there's a certain amount of, like, I don't care whether the audience reading this <laughs> thinks this is all a bit sudden, because it was sudden for me, so get over it. Yeah, whereas you have something that's a good a good line that opens up chapter 4, when Bryce says, I was glad when Ashley left. Nobody wants his sister to watch him get beat up, and I didn't want her to see me cry or bleed. The longer I faced Boo, the drier my throat got. It was hard to breathe, and I could feel my heart thumping. I'd never been in a fight. I'd been in shoving matches and shouting matches, when nobody really gets hurt, but I'd never been in a ball you're handed to a fist and start swinging kind of thing. This was quickly turning into a get smashed like a bug fight. And then he goes on a little bit, and I would still say it's not as in-depth as I would like, but it's not as bereft of emotion as I would like, at least in the in the beginning part there. I remember thinking that those were good when I was reading. But maybe another thing I'm wondering is during the break-in or during the scenes where they're waiting for Sam to get back, I'm not seeing a lot of emotion there. I noticed a lot of urgency in their voices during the, uh, during the Oasis version and during the Keys for Kids version, but that's a very linear plot scene. And... It seemed like the the way Keys for Kids did the moment when they're all all right and on the rock a lot better than even the book did. And like if I look at what the, the book has to say about the whole ordeal, uh, they say that they're like sobbing over Dylan and then Dylan's OK and then they're laughing. But it doesn't say necessarily the implications of that. Like we knew everything was going to be OK. Oh, actually, never mind. It does. My, <laughs> I'm a moron. <laughs> It says pretty no, much that exact same thing. <laughs> Oof. 
Oof. Big, big oof. Caught, re- caught in 4K. No, no, no. Here's or the thing. 16 bit or whatever. 16 bit. 441K. 44.1K. Here's the thing. The reason I, I love these objective standards is I can even say, yep, I'm I'm meeting. It's meeting my own standards here. And that's good that I that I just didn't see it that way. I, I need to change my, the way I'm reading these books. Maybe there is another point that I'm trying to get at that I'm not phrasing very well. But yeah, at least those points. That's that's good there. Do you want to do another side by side so we can see how the book does versus Keys for Kids versus Oasis? Absolutely. I'm going to skip to the part where Dylan talks about chicken. I like the chicken, Dylan said, pulling the skin from a piece and stuffing it in his mouth. Dylan is a world champion chicken skin eater. I don't think he's eaten a piece of meat in his life, but he eats the skin like it's candy. A horn honked and Lee stood and looked in a mirror. Then there's a brief explanation about Lee. Is that the creep? I whispered to Ashley, craning my neck to see out the window. Stop calling him that, Lee said. Oh, he doesn't mean it in a bad way, Ashley said. We think he's a nice creep. Dylan snatched another chicken skin and ran toward the door, crumbs scattering on the carpet. The creep, he yelled. Dad, Lee said dragging a breast through her hair. Mom collared Dylan and brought him back to the table, clearing her throat and glaring at Ashley and me. Sorry, Ashley said. And then it goes on, Randy comes in, and they talk and have dinner. So, here's how Oasis does that same section. You don't have to watch him, just look the other way. Mom, it's impossible not to watch. <laughs> that, that's the creep. Stop <laughs> calling him that. Oh, he, he, he doesn't mean it in a bad way. No. No, we think he's a nice creep. A nice creep. Definitely. Dylan, just... sit down with that chicken skin. <clears throat> Dylan, sit down. The creep! Oh, <laughs> Dad! <clears throat> <sighs> Sorry. Mm-hmm. Back to the table with you, young man. Sit down here, Dylan. What are you staring at, buddy? Under your arm. There's hair under there. Okay, it's time to go. <laughs> Dylan, don't take another chicken skin. Dessert. Any scene with Dylan, I do agree, is marginally better in Oasis because of the fact that Dylan is better in Oasis. Yes, he's so cute. <laughs> if I can also bring it up here before we get to Keys for Kids, the whole thing of them in the car and Dylan interrupting the radio in Keys for Kids is just not a problem in the original because he says bathroom once and then listens to Sam and stays quiet. So, yes. good. And the whole thing about them leaving the restaurant is more on Sam than it is on Dylan because they can tell that Dylan's not doing okay. Not that Dylan can't do okay, but they care more about him being well than them having a good time at, at dinner. So Right, right. Yeah. And in the book, it's made pretty clear like by the fact that he falls asleep like three seconds into the car ride that the issue is that he's overtired, mm-hmm. not that he's a... A brat. Uh, <laughs> a brat, yes. That's the word I was looking for. Thank you. <laughs> okay, keys for kids. Let's see how they do it. Why don't you just sit down here where you don't have to look at him? It's impossible not to look at him. Uh-oh. Bet that's Randy. <laughs> right. Stop saying his name like that. Hey, we like Randy. <laughs> Dad, see? All right, all right. Hey, Randy. Dylan, sit down with that chicken skin. I want to see Randy. Dylan, sit down. I expect this kind of thing from Dylan, not from you two. We didn't mean anything by it, Mom. Lee is struggling to find her way. You know that. And you two, being mean to Randy, just... Sorry, Mom. Okay, so I like what Catherine has to say at the end of the scene more than the other scenes. I think that's it's a good thematic consistency in a way that maybe I just want to be spoon-fed this stuff. I don't know. But I like having it said there. <laughs> I don't appreciate how the Timberlines act in Keys for Kids. I said that in the review, and I think they act a lot yes. better in Oasis. And it makes sense why, the act, why their actions are weird in Keys for Kids, because it's a loose adaptation. 
Well, it's a loose adaptation, but also it feels like we have to, because Keys for Kids is trying to do this like Down Gilead Lane, they're trying to throw in thematic elements where the book did not have four separate thematic elements to draw out of each 25-minute section. They had like two thematic elements with Haley and with Boo, and maybe a third with figuring out how to bond with your new father that is taking you on a trip. But by and large, you can't pull any of those out of a 25-minute section of the book, like a quarter of the book. You have to take it all as a whole. But Down Gilead Lane is trying to... It's Keys for Kids. Not Down but sorry. But Keys for Kids seems to be trying to manufacture conflicts so that they mm. can have some semblance of a thematic element where they can have a a kid doing something wrong and a parent saying, you shouldn't have done that thing wrong. And now we have a lesson. The problem being that you make your kids insufferable. I don't think it's done well, but I think the concept is fine. I think that's similar to what we saw in sick of it way back in season one, Beth Culp episode. She writes Michael being lazy after having his sick day at home, Justin wanting to overwork himself after his sick day at home. And Mary who strikes a balance between the two of those and does the, that's the same one, right? Where Michael's yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and then Haley wondering why her mom isn't doing more work outside the home. And so getting three different perspectives from three tied together plots, but not by sacrificing who the characters are or good storytelling to get to those themes. And maybe a better right. way to do that would be to have the mom say, well, I've been wondering about you calling uh, calling him the creep because the, the book still does make it an issue because of that little thing of Ashley saying she feels even worse about it because her mom didn't talk to her about she was giving her the silent treatment about calling him the creep. There is still that moment of you can still have the same way the book does. In fact, let's splice it together here. So that's just a quick splice of her going to answer the door and then um, Catherine saying, I would expect you to this behavior from Dylan. You can still have that moment because calling him the creep is still something that doesn't seem like the parents really appreciate, but it's just not written well, I think, in this Keys for Kids adaptation. Would you agree with that? I don't agree that we could necessarily have that issue with the creep because that's not a strong thematic or like lesson driven lesson in the first place. It's in the book, Don't call people... Don't co- well, it is in the book, but it's not in the book as a thing to focus on. It's a passive thing. You can make and, it a passive thing in the drama. Well, no, because you're talking about <laughs> turning it into the thematic no, point of not, an episode. No, no, not the whole through line, but to have a thematic uh, element in there. What I'm, I'm talking about the one, two, three. You've got the plot, the emotions, and then the worldview drawn from that. You can have it be where there's this moment of this is how we act in this family, and here's a, a small bit of a lesson here. I'm not saying turn the whole episode into an episode about respecting others or something like that. Just have it be that that conversation still pops up and we're talking about how characters think and how, what, and the implications of their beliefs rather than just the plot. I I think the, yes, but I disagree even more strongly because (laughs) the, the, here's the issue is that in the book, and even in the Oasis drama, there's not a huge issue with them calling him the creep. Like, it's a joke that they came up with based on just a passing thing about his uh, personal, like, I guess, demeanor slash 
appearance because I think it says something like he doesn't ever run a comb through his hair. Um, but the the whole joke about him being the creep, they uh, one example. I don't think this is an oasis, but it is in the book. And they talk about, I'll just find it here real quick. Randy played on the varsity football team in the fall and now varsity baseball this spring. He's always getting his name in the paper. And once there was a picture of him making a big tackle, I wrote, the creep takes down his opponent underneath it. And Lee got mad. Not as mad as the time Bryce dipped her hairbrush in the fish tank, but mad enough to tell her dad. He came in and sat on my bed and grinned for about five minutes, then left. (laughs) So... What we get from that is that the only person who has a problem with them calling him the creep is Lee. And the main reason that might be a problem is because Lee feels uncertain in this new family dynamic. So where if we were just making this joke and someone was taking offense at it for no reason, that would be on the person taking offense at it for no reason assuming that it's a completely harmless joke with no malicious intent. Especially because they confirm in the original, uh, we don't, like, we're not saying he's a bad creep. We actually like him. We think he's a nice creep. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And that's, and that's, like, in the book, like, in the Oasis, it sounds almost like it might be sarcastic or might not, but in the book, it doesn't, it, like nothing indicates that it's a sarcastic we think he's a nice creep it's mm-hmm. like no we we do think he's a nice creep we just like the nickname and think it's appropriate and so we're going to keep using it and the mom seems to have a slight problem with it but the fact that she doesn't bring it up except once and very briefly and even like in the keys for kids she said it like she makes a big deal about it but in the original book, it's Ashley who draws out, maybe the reason this might be a problem is because Lee is still trying to make her way in this house and figure okay. out where she's where she belongs. In that case, and it's so, not a good example. It's it's not for me yeah. to say like, hey, there should have been this little talk about it doesn't work because it isn't that serious. OK. OK. Yeah. Yeah. It's It's like so minor, I'd say, in the book that it doesn't like it bears nothing except to draw out the dynamic that Ashley has with her mom as far as uh, when they disagree on something and how she feels about like maybe getting the silent treatment, which foreshadows how she's going to feel about Haley. Mm. Okay. Okay. Well, do you want to move on to another section from either a, a, a scene by scene? Okay. Well, so here, let's uh, let's talk about you had uh, you texted me something <laughs> before this podcast recording. I texted you about a, a memory stick. So yeah, let's talk about the memory the memory stick plot. Yes. How did the deputy? So for the listening audience, instead of there being two cameras, what happens is that Bryce is fumbling with the camera when he gives it to the owner. And an S- I'm going to assume it's an SD card. The SD card drops out of the camera yeah. and is then picked up by the owner's son who then gives it back to Bryce. That makes the reason why that wasn't caught at the gold site make a little bit more sense. But it doesn't make the ending of Oasis make any sense. How did the deputy know that there had been an email sent with the photo? Hadn't he been tampering with their electrical stuff? Electrical stuff? Like, first off, he took out the security system, right? Yes. Um, beyond that, if, like, it's unclear in any of these versions how much technical prowess and history this guy has 
and what all he's doing in the background when he's not in a scene chasing them or something. But I think that the what what's being indicated is that he had tapped their phones somehow, right? But this was through their computer. So, so do you know how dial-up works? The, oh, are <laughs> yeah, you saying... True. Yeah, I, like that would be convoluted, and that's writing the episode for the episode. I still think this is a plot hole. It you, is. You, you can explain it. I, but what I'm asking here is Bryce starts to send the email right before the power goes out, which causes the email to not be sent anyway. And I don't understand. Like, why wasn't the email sent? Was there a problem for the plot to have it be that it wasn't sent because it wouldn't have been a problem in the first place? Or could you say, yeah, that the picture's floating out around there somewhere and the stakes are higher if they get a hand up, if they if they get a hold of this? I think this makes it hard on the harder on the protagonist because you sent the email that's going to be really hard to erase from online. I I don't know. That's that's a side thing. But besides all that, the deputy can't know about the email being sent because it's never mentioned in the dialogue. Wait a minute. What? Wait a minute. So the computer and the stick were in the car when it yes. crashed into the water. They recovered the car and told uh told the dad over the phone that it was totaled. But if the deputy is still on the case, he could have recovered the computer. And he saw that the email was sent, but wasn't able to delete the email? You can't delete an email on your end. How could he have seen that an email was sent if he had access to the computer? How? What? Like, did he access the hard drive and look at sent emails, but he couldn't access the account that the sent emails were sent from? No. So when you send an email... Yes. It... It will send, but you can't unsend it, right? Oh. Like, if you sent me an email right now, <laughs> you couldn't take that back. Oh. So we're saying but that if he you had... were interrupted, if you were interrupted in the process of sending it, and your client side said, I sent it, but it didn't actually come to me yeah, yeah, because okay, it was never interrupted. Mind, never mind. I'm just stupid. You don't have to re-explain this to me. I never <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I'm looking in here in the book. It says... Despite all we'd been through, he'd memorized the license plate number of the green car. He also gave them the memory stick he had shoved in his pocket, but it was full of water, and I doubted it would work. And it doesn't work. So then, okay, so we're we're saying that he recovered the computer from the car. Co- oh, when did, uh, I love this podcast. This is great. This is just me saying random stuff as I try to figure out what's going on. <laughs> I will grant it's not explained in the book. We kind of have to do a bit of headcanning. Yeah. No, that checks out. That's fine. That's but how okay. is it that I, they find out about the video camera in the Keys for Kids? They find out about the video... Uh, what? <laughs> Wait a yeah. minute. I'm going to go find my notes. Because in the that. end, he's like, you have a video camera. Give it to me. How do they find out that they still have it? How they it's know not he in the bottom of the ocean. I feel like that was explained, and I'm just trying to remember how exactly. Let me go look at my notes. I'll get back to you in a second. The following day. Uncle. <laughs> <laughs> I am too tired and don't have that offhand to reference that, so I will admit. Uh, I feel like it's just man. a weakness in every like every iteration. Every every universe does a, of does a very Rock. bad job of explaining <laughs> why this bad guy is breaking in at the end. Like it's a nice and It didn't plot have point. to be like that. It's a nice plot point, and we're like, oh my goodness, how did he know? How is he here? But also, why? 
why like you 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 should explain it perhaps in the mm. fallout but they don't because it's not I want to hope that it's explained in there in the keys for kids and I'm just forgetting it but who knows who I knows, think man? maybe there was something about their phones being tapped or something but even even then like there wasn't much phone activity in the first place at the end mm-hmm. like the mom finds the phone the mom is the one that finds the camera Mm-hmm. So, like, up until then, none of them know, except the mom, that the camera's mm-hmm. even there. And then the guy just shows up. Interesting. Well, so, uh, I will I will take a cheap shot at it, that in the Oasis version, there's no sound effect of the memory stick dropping. So, there you go. Fair. Very fair. There's no <laughs> there's no sound effect of the, fo- of the camera dropping. The only way you would know is by Ashley's good going, Captain Clumzo, or whatever she says. Yeah. Yeah. So, they're checkmate liberal. <laughs> why am i no, the liberal no uh, no you're not <laughs> there's just little things here and there yes i know there, there are little things here and there uh, and I'll, i will say uh having the book for context makes uh, a lot of things make more sense like mm-hmm. uh the dog's names are pippin and frodo yes. and when bryce says i wish we'd brought pippin and frodo with us Absolutely. The, when I, thought, I caught that, uh, that in this made... read that we never in the oasis version actually find out that they have dogs named that it, like, they just kids. say it. I think when I was a kid, I thought that the, those two people, those two names were their friends or something. <laughs> oh, well, in in the Keys for Kids version, it's Bryce mentions the, the pinball machine. And then he says, I wish we brought Pippin and Frodo. I was like, haha, that's funny because hobbits would love to play Lord of the Rings pinball. That's funny. Right. <laughs> no, it's the dogs. guys. No, it's the name of their dogs, which is beautiful. <laughs> They're such a good anyway. Christian family that they have Lord of the Rings dogs. <laughs> I like the acting for Haley more in Keys for Kids than I do in uh, Oasis. I don't know if you agreed. Um, no. Uh, well, oh. mm, or you you said you liked Keys for Kids better. I like Keys for Kids acting better for mm. for Haley's acting. I like the emphasis that Keys for Kids placed on why the whole scene with her watching the movie was wrong more than the original because the original seemed to say it was the content that was wrong, and I'm okay with that. But the way the, ri- the original frames it is that, oh, yeah, I sinned by watching this. Whereas there was there was a dual thing there. The key, What Keys for Kids brought out more was you didn't check with your mom first. You went behind your mom's back. You were supposed to be doing homework, but you're watching the movie instead. And from my perspective, I think as an adult, it's easier for me to say, yeah, that content doesn't necessarily make that sinful. And from a kid's perspective, it's it, it would be easier to say, yeah, that was the problem. I watched that content and I wasn't supposed to. But I think a more nuanced perspective, which is what Keys for Kids takes, that both of us, I think both an adult and a kid could agree with, is you need to be open with what the rules in your family are about watching this. That's where I would come down on that. I see place. I see a place for both of them, but I liked how Keys for Kids did it better. It showed... Hey, it showed Ashley to be more of a hypocrite to go against what her mom would want and what they're, and by extension, honoring her parents, being honest, what God would want more than just, oh, you're okay with edgy content and movies? Well, that depends. It really so depends. where in Oasis did it make it, did it feel like, or where in the Oasis version did it act like the problem was in the content rather than, like, I recognize that in the so in the book here's what we got is um what came on tv wasn't what i expected the language was worse than the construction site my bryce and i used to walk past in chicago Haley didn't seem to mind um the language okay, got go. worse go. and then the shooting started blood flew everywhere i almost couldn't look and then later 
I felt bad because I hadn't stopped watching the movie. I was mixed up and didn't know what to do. It doesn't specify that she felt bad for watching the movie because the content was wrong and that's the sin. That's very strongly implied. Page 168, Mom smiled. God's not mad at you. I'm sure he was sad about you seeing the stuff in that movie because he knew it would hurt you. But God doesn't pull his love away if you do something wrong. He loves you all the way. Hmm. Well, but 167... It's both. It's definitely both in the book. Sure. Well, so, sorry, Mom. I let you down and I disappointed God and Haley must think I'm a hypocrite. A hypocrite. I think that's more referring to the content of that she watches. Is that... More than is that breaking the, con- the rules about... I feel like hypocrite could would apply more to the honoring and obeying your parents, wouldn't well, it? here's another question, Because the Bible doesn't actually Does... say anything against edgy content. Well... Ashley never tells Haley that her family has this rule. So why would Haley think she's a hypocrite? But isn't it established that they have this rule? Not that Haley would know. Well, Haley wouldn't know that they have a problem with the edgy content either, would they? Would she? I think it's kind of expected that Christians don't watch content like that. It, that seems to be what this book is setting up. I'm willing to concede this point. I don't see that it really specifies either way because it's it's left pretty vague because the mm-hmm. the main throughout the book issue is not I watched this movie it's I didn't tell my mom about it um yeah yeah like that's what but she's I think guilty it's also of. that's what she feels guilty about the entire time well yeah but that's very closely connected with the fact that she watched the movie it's I didn't tell my mom about watching this movie because of the content. It's not, I didn't tell my mom about watching this movie instead of doing homework. Like, if it was a movie they had previously agreed on she would be able to watch, I don't think she would have a problem with it. It's because it doesn't seem to be a problem in the book that they're doing it when they're supposed to be doing homework. That's a keys for kids thing. Maybe I'm missing something. I thought about calling mom because that was our agreement. If I wanted to watch something I'd never seen, I needed to check in. But Haley got too It has nothing to do with it being homework. And in Keys for Kids, it's very much, we need to be doing homework right now. Oh, no, no, let's let's just watch this. Right, but what I'm saying is that the issue, like, it might not be that, oh, I did this instead of homework. I think that's an equally valid reason compared to, I agreed with my, like, both of them are just agreeing and then not, agreeing with the mom to do something and then not doing it, right? Like yeah, in one case, yeah. in one uh-huh. case, it's I agreed to do homework instead of watch movies. And in the other, it's I agreed to call mom if I was going to watch anything. And right. so and then I felt bad when the content was was what she was trying to protect me from in one and on one hand. Whereas in the other hand, I don't remember Keys for Kids mentioning really anything about the content. It was mostly, oh, that was a little weird. OK, back to homework sure. Now. Sure, but the book would have been exactly the same. Like, you could take out the two two or three sentences where she says, bad things happened in this film. And then you could take out the sentence at the end where the mom says, I'm sure that God didn't want you to see those things. And if it was a film that was just not quite the kind of film that she generally watches and she kind of hates that she watched it without permission, she would still feel all that guilt throughout the book. Yes, but the foundation is is different. Like telling your parents, yeah, I I watched this movie instead of doing homework is different than, yeah, I watched this movie that had explicit content in it. Those are fundamentally different things, even though they have they they can have the same mechanics on how it works on the characters in the story. Like you were saying with the subtext, I think 
if I'm reading it as, yeah, there's a lot more going on in this writing and in the character's emotions than I was picking up on it, if I'm starting to read it that way, then I would say that Haley's more thinking about those images and that coming to her mind more so than I just feel bad. I just feel bad about not checking in first and I'm breaking this rule. I think it's it's both of those in Oasis well, and I only one of those in Keys for Kids. I don't hear anything in the follow up dialogue from Ashley, either in Oasis or in the book, where she's thinking and haunted by the images from the movie. Most of it yeah, and is I think it's her... a problem. What? <laughs> I think she should be. I no, think she I, should I be. I disagree. I don't think that she should because <laughs> oh. that's not the issue. The issue is that she feels guilty for not doing what she said she would do as an agreement with her mom. That's the nuance eh, yeah, of what she's yeah. concerned with, what she feels guilty about, is not checking in with her mom. What kind of pushes that is that she feels like this is probably the sort of thing her mom would have said no to. It's kind of like that recent episode we listened to with Adventures in Odyssey, where Renee doesn't want to talk to Wit. Recent. <laughs> what? Oh, you're, right. You're breaking the chronology here. Oh, the no. Six episodes, six six months ago, we listened okay, to this what episode. what was the name that of that would episode? be recent as far as, uh, I don't know, it was six months ago, man. <laughs> 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 Renee renewed. Thank you. It's like that episode of Renee Renewed from Adventures in Odyssey. She feels bad, like she doesn't want to talk to Mr. Whitaker and get his permission because she knows that she did something that he wouldn't approve of, that he'll probably not give her permission for and not appreciate. If she had done something that was perfectly normal, she might still feel a little sheepish about it, but she wouldn't have nearly as much much hesitation. So I think the point is that Ashley both realizes, one, I broke my agreement, two, my mom probably would have said no. Hmm. Okay, and that's and that's fine. I'm okay to have that distinction there. It's, it's really not that big an issue for me, but sure. I see, and, and what I'm thinking through, I'm, I get it from a perspective of it wasn't as much the imagery, it was more of that. That makes sense. Well, I'm ready to wrap this review up. Why don't we do one more side-by-side comparison? Do you want to talk about the chase scene and something that I agree Oasis did better? Thank you for kids. Sure. Bryce, what's wrong? I almost got you killed. Why did I have to lock the keys in? I'm always doing stupid stuff. Come on, come on. We're going to be okay. Who said up there? Pickup truck. Oh, it's coming straight for us. Hang on. He's turning around. See if he's following us. Bryce, take this. Dial 911. Tell him what's happening. Here comes the tunnel. It's okay, buddy. It's okay. We'll meet the other side in no like time. See, you can see the light up ahead. Well, nothing's happening. Wait till we get out. Okay, now try it. Bryce, what's wrong? I almost got you killed. Why'd I have to lock the keys in here? I'm always doing stupid stuff. Come on, we're going to be okay. Who's that? It's the green car. Sam, he's gaining on us. I see him. Bryce, try dialing 911 again. Tell them what's happening. Okay, but here comes the tunnel. I don't like the tunnel. Oh, it's okay, buddy. We'll be at the other side in no time. I don't like it when it's dark. Look, there's a light at the other side. See it? Nothing's happening. Wait until we get out of the tunnel. Okay, try it now. Hmm. So you're right, Ryan. Music is better than non-music. I will agree (laughs) with you. And I didn't, I I will grant, I did not know how to say it when we were reviewing it because (laughs) I hadn't listened to it recently enough to be able to articulate what the music sounded like. I think I was like going, and there's a little of that (laughs) kind of subtly, but most of it is percussion, just kind of, and it makes the scene feel a lot more actiony, I think. 
Yep, and just having that constant in the background does help increase the tension in a way that I can see the tension drops in Keys for Kids. And even though I like the Keys for Kids acting better for everyone except for Dylan, <laughs> I would grant that the whole escape sequence in Oasis is better, objectively better. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah, and I can see, I, I was lis- as I was listening through, um, I will grant this, when I was going through and preparing all of these side-by-sides, um, I noticed places where listening to it after Oasis, I was like, oh, this scene is a lot more efficient because there's this back and forth where the information is communicated rather mm-hmm. than the slow narration. And so, and it kind of goes back and forth. Sometimes it's more efficient in Oasis. Sometimes it's more efficient in Keys for Kids. And sometimes I think in in both, some scenes can be rushed, whereas in the other, they take their time and it's a, m- a bit better. So it's this mm-hmm. weird back and forth where sometimes I'm like, oh, this is really efficient. And other times I'm like, oh, well, this is faster, but it's rushed. And mm-hmm. that really just comes down to if you're making 40, if, if you're making like two hours worth of content for anything, you're going to run into issues where not every scene's a winner. And both Keys for Kids and Oasis have their fair share of places where you could say objectively one scene is better than the other. And I don't know which ones those are, but I do know that both Keys for Kids and Oasis have their fair share over each other. Mm-hmm. And there's some stuff that was in Oasis that I was kind of surprised with. I'll le- I'll end this on two funny lines or okay. two funny things that I found in the book in Oasis. One's in both the book and Oasis, and that, that's Wit's End. The Colorado Springs <laughs> Visitor Center exists in the Red Rock Mysteries Oasis book universe and not oh necessarily in the Keys for Kids universe. That's hilarious. Keys for Kids was like, no, focus on the family does not exist. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because that would make it a little bit weird because if they ever wanted to have a crossover, then, you know. Sure. That that wouldn't work. That would be weird. Uh, (laughs) What was the second thing? Second one is there's a line in Oasis that's not in either version, in in the book or Case for Kids. And when Bryce is trying to explain what the heavy breathing phone call was from, he says, maybe it was the wrong number, or maybe it was one of those pets that dial phone numbers. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what? Speaking of pets, here's one of my funny things for this whole thing. Uh, the book and Oasis audio have have one thing over the the Keys for Kids version, and that's mm. that the, the focus on the cats test and just the, <laughs> the repeated instances of there being... Some for like there's there's several there's things. There's a cat that they pass around the homeroom and uh, <laughs> around the homeroom, and then Dylan then he just chucks on the teacher's it. desk at the end. <laughs> Bryce, uh, Bryce, and then Bryce strangles it, and that's great. There's a lot. There's a there's just one throwaway thing. I don't think it's actually an oasis, but in the book, it's described that one of the teachers dressed up like someone from the Cats musical. Musical, which. It is made <laughs> even funnier in the year that we are in, given everything that happened because... with the Cats movie. <laughs> so I watched the original musical. It's weird, but it's probably ten times better than oh, the Cats movie. absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> the, the musical itself actually had intention. It's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Uh. Anyway. Oh, I will say a couple lines that I loved were Dylan's delivery during the chicken scene. 
and Ashley's <laughs> yes. delivery on Hi, Duncan. Hi, Duncan. Which is not even in the book, I realized. No, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> That's like not brought up like, until uh, the second hi. or third book, I think. Your, your memory of like the, oh, that was bad with the, the slug thug is almost, it's almost <laughs> exactly the same way it is in the version. You just have that thing memorized, don't you? I do. So I actually have, a, a peop- my parents, uh, they theorize that I have this thing called eidetic memory because I'm able to pull like I listen to an audio drama and I'm able to pull out like the exact intonation of people's lines and such. It's weird. Um, hey, I mean, I think I feel like I could do the same thing, but then whenever I try to do it on this podcast, I always fumble through the line and I embarrass myself. <laughs> so you know, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> um, the only other thing I wanted to bring up was a really cool bit of depth that I saw in the book when I read it. There was one thing where early on in the book, Ashley shares that she's always had a fear of bridges and of her family members <laughs> being lost over the bridge. That's which, foreshadowing. Foreshadowing, yeah. But I felt like it was a nice little bit of depth. It, it didn't feel shoehorned, but like as I'm reading it, knowing where the book is going, I was like, oh, that might be a little bit on the nose, but whatever. Um, but also she talks about Dylan being stuck in his car seat, and not being able to get out, which is the exact situation that they end up being in. Right. So, but then yeah. there's also, there's a line on page 132 where, uh, they're, they're, uh, in the car and, and the pickup is following them and everything. And Bryce is narrating. Oh, that's good. And he says, oh, that's if really only, good. He says, if only we hadn't come up here, if only Ashley hadn't taken that picture, if only I hadn't gone to Boo's school, if only Dad didn't get, uh, if only Dad hadn't gotten on that plane. But there was nothing I could do to change any of that. Now, one of these days, I would have to quit visiting, or quit wishing away the if onlys and stand up to them. And that mm. speaks directly to his background conflict. And to the current conflict. And that's one place where I feel there's a huge amount of character growth for that character of uh, Bryce. And that is one place where, like, the book will always have this special place in my heart. Because I think that the book does a lot more even than the Oasis version does. The Oasis version doesn't have that set of lines. And in the end, it sort of feels a bit sudden in both audio dramas, I feel, when Bryce suddenly is like, huh, you've never been in a fight, have you? I'm just going to suddenly win this. Whereas the book, there feels like there's this character turn where he slowly builds up the courage to do it based on the meta plot. I just need to appreciate Jerry Jenkins more is what I'm hearing here. (laughs) You can have your own opinion, and I recognize where it comes from is that you've read much better books, and this is a book series for children. This is a book series for children. I will completely agree with you. It's not- So is Stargirl. Okay, fair enough. But but, but like, (laughs) uh, you're you're an adult reading Stargirl, and I was a kid reading Red Rock Mystery. And I feel I came away as a kid, as a teenager from this series, getting what I needed from it, because the way that it's written is in such a way that a teenager with the exact same or similar anxieties to the kids in the book can relate without having to be told to relate or told how to relate, Mm. because he already has those emotions going through him. Because this book series, I do feel, is written for teenagers the age of Ashley and Bryce. Which it was, yep. it was something I tremendously enjoyed reading it at that age. 
Stargirl, mm. I feel, is something that you could probably read at any age, and it would be this beautiful thing that really speaks to you, regardless of whatever it is, because it's written not for a specific group of people to vicariously enjoy, but for anyone to be able to enjoy objectively. Okay, I hear you. Counterpoint. I read Jerry Jenkins' The Left Behind Adults and Kids series when I was 13, 14, and had the same criticism that I do today. You had that criticism at that age? Yes. Fascinating. And then, yeah, like, I, I would read through the kid series and not really know what the emotion was supposed to be, just because there was so much plot that was happening and so much that the characters were saying about the plot, but not enough that, that went into their stream of consciousness. Fair enough. And I will say, yeah. these, sto- these stories are very plot-driven, and maybe that's just yeah. where I, growing up, I cared a lot more about the plot than the characters. Today, I care more about characters, and so there may be a ton that I'm just reading into the characters because I have that vicarious connection to the book. Well, now that you've explained the minutia of it, we will see in about a month about what to do with Stolen Secrets, because I'll be reading that book alongside listening to Oasis for that, and we'll see, we'll see how that goes. Well, thank you, everyone, for coming to our book club. <laughs> ah, yeah, I didn't expect this to be this this long, but we're just a like lot flipping through the pages, like, wow, well, oh, did you consider bit. page thirty-four? You know that uh, editing Michael's gonna have to edit this on Christmas Day. That's his Christmas present. I mean, I did text you and say, "Are you sure about yeah. this?" And you were no, like, "I love editing." <laughs> we'll we'll be picking up with the first part of Keys for Kids: Stolen Secrets next time on these special episodes. So. Take it away, Ryan. Thanks so much for joining us, and we hope you'll join us next time as we continue to look in to Red Rock Mysteries. This is fun. This is different, actually being able to flip through and point to parts in the book that Mm -hmm. correspond to it. (laughs) This is better than any book... Uh, club I've ever been a part of. <laughs> really? Nice. Okay. Granted, most of those were like, okay, let's all get together. And most of us will be like old women and we'll be like, what did you think of the book? I liked it. Okay. Now we're going to eat food, I guess. <laughs> I've only ever been in a one book club and technically I wasn't even in it. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. It was a bunch of ladies from work who had a book club. And so I went and took pictures of them being in the book club. But that meant I hung out for a good deal, and it was the lamest book club I've ever <laughs> been in, been privy to. So this it was is a, the, it was, it's so also you, the only one. But. So you can't say this is the best book club. This is the better book club because there are this only the two. Best. This is the best. Well, you, because you best can has still to have, have three a best or more. of two. No, no, you can't. It's it's best if it's three or more, right? Is that how that language works? Um, I'm gonna look this up. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> so best best would be of three. You can have good, better, best, but of two, you can only have best and worst. No, of two you have better or worse. If you want to ask Quora or Stack Exchange, it, you can... can say it either way. But, but you'd be sure, wrong if you if you, if you want to find something on the internet that tells me otherwise, I can. Bring in my mom, who's been who has a master's in communication, and she can tell you whether it's right or not. This, she taught me okay. this, so I trust. No, okay, sorry. She taught she, she taught you that you can only say better when there's two things. Absolutely, I've never heard that principle. <laughs> Editing Michael here. I've made good on my promise. I brought my mom in. 
Mom, when you when you have a set of two things, do you say one is the better of the two or one is the best of the two? One is the better of the two. There you go. See you guys. Mm-hmm.